Hello and welcome to the Animation Club podcast. This is a Q&A featuring Randy Boyum. Please note that these Q&As were recorded across 2020 and 2021 during the COVID-19 pandemic. We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast. Goodbye for now. Hello again, Animation Club. Um, round two of the uh, Q&A double bill today. Uh, we're joined by animator Randy Boyum. Um, I'll let you introduce yourself and then we'll ask some questions. Okay, I am Randy Boyum. I'm in Denver, Colorado in the USA. If you've not heard of Colorado or Denver. Uh, I've been animating for over 30 years now. I've done probably 50 some projects over those years. And sometimes they were for me, sometimes they were for clients, and it just kind of depends on what popped up in my face or what I felt like doing. But uh, I've only worked in clay, except for one film that I did was a paper cutout, stop motion animation, mm-hmm. which took me a year to do that particular film. But uh, beyond that, clay is what I do, and it's all there right behind me. Fantastic. Yeah, a lot of the animation club work with clay. Um, so I'm hoping a lot of those are tuning in uh, for some advice. Um, yeah, I, I watched through, uh, as you recommended, I watched through the, the playlist earlier oh, did today. You? Yes, the, the paper cutout one, I know which one you mean. That was that was really nice. Is that one of your stories or that a client come to you for that one? No, that was mine. It's really nice. It's really okay. good. It's, um, I, I was finding it like it was really good and really funny. And then there's, I won't spoil it for anyone, but there's the point where you just go, oh, <laughs> and just... Yeah. I waffled back and forth on that point in the storyline and I'm like, yeah. I do this, but I did it. So yeah. No, it's it's brilliant. It's the kind of film that eventually I'd like to create something like that. I'd love to create a film that can spark an emotion in someone that powerfully, I think. It's, oh. I mean I, 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 it's one of those that I yeah, watched it and you could you could feel it. So Oh, that's really nice to hear. I haven't haven't gotten much feedback at all on that particular yeah. film. It's called Blue Jays. If anybody Blue wants Jays, to know, that's the one, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, um, I, I write music, and and uh, so I sat down. It took me a good well, it was about six weeks to write the story, and then it took three months just to write the background music that goes with it. But it's it's very specific. The music is to that piece to enhance the visuals that are going on. So. It was a lot of fun. Brilliant. Um, was it just that you decided to move on to a different medium for that one, or like a, a challenge for? Yeah, you? yeah. I, I, you know, worked in clay forever and ever, and uh, clay gets a little, I don't know, for lack of a better word, tiresome hmm. because of all the repairs. You constantly are re re sculpting and fixing things because when you raise a, a puppet's arm the clay underneath the armpit does, doesn't go with it. It's mm-hmm. so it tears and there's a hole and you have to actually re-sculpt constantly when you're, when you're moving a clay character around. The clay, of course, is very bendable and it, it'll follow your moves to a point. But once you move past a point, you're gonna get tears and rips and, and or dents from your, your fingers and thumbs as you're pushing on the clay. And so there's a lot of constant repair when you're doing clay animation. And so doing paper was just something I thought, you know, I won't have to fix stuff all the time, though I wound up having to cut out a lot of stuff. Out of yes. paper, so. Was it done on a multiplane or on one? No, no, it was just a, a single sheet uh, standing upright. 
Mm -hmm. um, I, I built just a little rack that that uh, was a piece of glass, and on the front side of it, I put uh, a piece of diffusion, mm -hmm. and then on the back side, it was just smooth glass with one one light behind it pointing at the glass, and then I used double stick Scotch tape. And I cut out all the little, and I actually, even though they're silhouette, I use black construction paper. Mm. And then I put a little tiny piece of tape on that and stick it to the back of the glass and uh, do a lot of motion and stuff. And you know, uh, a lot of it was quite simple, one character moving around, but the guy lands in the ocean at one point and, and in a river. And boy, did that take a long time to move every single little stripe of water and, and such. And so... Very, it was also very time consuming, but at least I didn't have to re sculpt stuff all the time, so yeah, it was, it was a fun piece. But then I was glad to get back to clay after that. <laughs> it's good to try something outside of the, the norm, isn't it? To have a yeah, so um, what uh, sorry, there's no other questions yet, so I'll just remind everyone there's a bit of a delay. But if you want to send any questions, um, just type them in the comments. Um, so yeah, uh, start with this. Sorry, what, what are you, who are your inspirations for? Uh, animation well initially of course it was ray harryhausen back in the 70s and yeah. uh all the monster movies my brother and i would just drool every time we saw one of those coming up in the tv guide because you had to watch stuff now on tv or you missed it period there was no option and yeah. so we'd just get so excited when jason and the argonauts was popping up to play or just you know any of the uh sinbad movies or anything like that but then uh there used to be in theaters animation collections. There was animation celebration. There was Spike and Mike's twisted animation series that would pop up in movie theaters. And uh, I would always go to those whenever I could find them and, and, and uh, check them out. And one year I went and there was this piece called a grand day out from Ardman animations there in England. And I was blown away by what this guy could do with with clay and uh he really really kind of sparked a fire under me i i saw him i believe that was in 89 or 90 and that was right about the time where i was getting uh reinterested in it i dabbled in animation when i was about 12. my brother uh got into it first and showed me how to do it and so i did your typical 12 year old animations with clay balls rolling around on it tabletop and things like that but uh uh eventually learned how to do it a little bit better how, how did you get started with animation then so in 1989 i was a limousine chauffeur working for a company and one day uh one of the the only other uh chauffeur that i worked with showed up one day and said last night i found an old super 8 movie camera and pr film projector in my closet i didn't even know i had do you know anybody who wants it and i, I said I'll take it. And that summer, I just shooting on Super 8 millimeter, did did a few more little clay balls rolling around. But I actually even did a film where I covered a GI Joe doll with clay to see you know how I could move that around. And I had a ball doing that that summer, but didn't really still know what I was doing. And uh, one day, my mom called me in a panic and said, "Turn on Channel 4 News." I'm like, oh, "Okay." And there was a story about a local company here in Denver called Lost Leader Productions. Uh, who did clay animation and I immediately wrote down all their information and uh, contacted them 
and wound up being able to hang out with them and just watch for a while. And, uh, you know, I'd been over there several times. And one day the, the, the director was like, well, do you want to do something? I said, oh, okay. And he handed me a small board and he said, cover this with clay. I said, okay. And uh, from that point on, I was helping them uh, more and more all the time. And uh, working at that studio is where I learned how to make these great wire armatures that I, I use underneath all my characters that work really well. And so uh, I worked with them for about five years. We, in that time, produced one tape, uh, a, a VHS tape called Classics and Clay, which had a series of 10 short films on it. <clears throat> and uh, say we finished that up at the, the end of 93. And we, we got the tape out and, and sales were starting to pick up. And then in March of 94, all of a sudden, our leader, who was named Mike Radaski and was this brilliant man, kind, wonderful, really cool and smart guy, was killed in a car accident. And it shut down the company and it shut down that project and the tape just wound up sitting on a shelf and the sales stopped. And that was the end of all that. And uh, about the same time, I started working as a video production uh, manager for a local corporate company doing corporate video production. But uh, they had professional edit gear. And one day I was wondering if I could hook a camera up to one of these editing decks and see if I could shoot animation live straight onto videotape and be able to see it immediately. Because prior to that, always been shooting on film and just you hit click, 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 you know, and, and hope for the best. And it's, you know, three weeks to three months before you actually see the footage when you develop a, a reel of film. And uh, being able to shoot live directly onto uh, videotape was a remarkable game changer. And I could see what I was doing immediately. And so that, that was uh, really cool. And I, I started doing a lot more projects straight onto videotape. So uh, Chris Bryant says, hi, glad to see you. <laughs> hi, Chris. How you doing? Um, and we've got Rianne Lohman. Uh, she's an animator over in America as well. She's, um, she was our first Q&A, yes. Um, she loves seeing the posts that you post onto the stop motion groups. Oh, I love those as well. The uh, comedy of those are brilliant. Um, oh. are your characters inspired by people you know, she's asking. Uh, okay, yeah, those are my clay enemies, is what I call them. Oh, my, my little stills, they're yeah, I started calling them. And I actually posted number 99 just recently, I'm almost up to 100 of those things. So, but uh, characters inspired. The only character that is inspired by real life that I, I, I've done would be this guy. And only vaguely inspired. This is Otley Hagerstad, and he is uh, the main character for my group of characters called the Hoovies, which is short for Scandahoovians, because my background is Norwegian. And so uh, uh, I've done four short shorts. I mean, the longest one is two and a half minutes long, and it's the... Uh, the kayaking piece, if anybody has seen that. But um, um, aside from that, you know, I, uh, I think you can see in back. And I also sculpted John Madden. All three of these pieces were done specifically for a client uh, here in Denver who uh, had me do this one and the Dolly Parton one hmm. for a man named Terry Fader. Terry Fader is the ventriloquist, the remarkable remarkable guy who uh, uh, won America's Got Talent the first year. He's this uh, ventriloquist that sings with his dolls and does like spot on imitations of, of singers. 
and he won the show. And when he won America's Got Talent, he he got a a gig in Vegas for five years doing shows that in a room that was built just for him and his shows. And uh, they contacted me and had me do. I guess it was just the two pieces for him, Dolly and Ed Sullivan, as short little clay pieces that introduced his next ventriloquist puppet on stage. So the people in the audience would see these clips on the big screens uh, during the introduction, and then he'd pull out that next puppet. And uh, that was that was really cool. I never actually got to go see the show, but I had friends who saw it. Uh, went went to Vegas and saw saw Terry Fader's show and said it was great, and they saw the, the clips air on on the little screens. It was a lot of fun. Saying that was fun. Um, what's your favorite project that you've worked on? What's your favorite, either project you've worked on or film you've created? <laughs> I got a couple of them, but I would say I always fall back on um, how to survive a bear attack. Mm-hmm. That was a, a really fun and weird little film that I did for uh, a, a website called howcast.com that has how-to videos on, I mean, literally everything. They probably got 100,000 videos. You can you can ask, how do I tie my shoes? And there's a video for that. And uh, they contacted me out of the blue, and this was in, I'm thinking, 07, 06, maybe. And uh, they contacted me initially and just said, we'd love for you to do something for us. What Would you have any ideas? And And I couldn't think of anything initially. And they said, how about doing how to survive a bear attack? And I said, I kind of like that idea, you know? So they sent me a script that was serious. That was, okay, these are the real things you're supposed to do when encountering a bear in the woods. You know, and they wanted me to add humor. And so I, I uh, said, how about if the bear rips this guy's head off? And then I back up the film to the point where he, you know, just before he did something wrong, and the narrator explains what you're supposed to do, and then I'll, I'll move forward from there until he makes another mistake, and then the bear rips his head off again. And so I did that over and over throughout this this uh, film, and I, I to this day, I really enjoy that film, and I, I had a lot of fun doing some really cool camera moves uh, within that, that uh, film as well, and even had somebody comment one day, that it's almost like the camera is a third character that's just hanging out and watching, you know, and I, never even occurred to me to think about that while I was shooting it, but I went back and looked at it after that comment and thought, yeah, that's kind of, kind of true, but it's a a fun and and pretty funny little film. I I enjoyed that. You do do some really cool camera moves on your animations. I've I've found is because it's not an easy thing to do, is it? Um, With camera moves and stop motion. They, they can be tricky. I worked at Will Vinton studios back in 1999 and, uh, was really spoiled by a lot of the stuff that they had, the gear, you know, they had motion control units where you hit a frame and then the camera automatically moves on this. It was a big, huge piece of gear, taller than me, that had an arm on it that that moved, you know, uh, according to a pre-planned plot within the, the program. Um, but when I got home, I, I don't have such budget and I don't have access to things like that. And so I developed a way of doing camera moves <laughs> that are, I do them really quick. Mm. They're all pretty much six moves in 12 frames. I shoot in twos. And yeah. so um, I, I, I'll shoot the last frame before the camera move. And then I'll, I'll actually move the camera to the final frame where I want to land. 
and I make marks. Well, I, I used to work on just a small, you know, regular glass monitor. It was a TV. And I had a, a wax pencil and I would literally write marks on the, the screen as to, you know, this is where this is going to end and this is where it began. And then I would make hash marks, six of them in between. And uh, since then, I, I started working with uh, Stop Motion Pro, the software, and they've got a, a part of the software you can make marks on the screen. And so I, had to, I was able to stop drawing on my actual monitor. But uh, I, I've set them all up so they are literally six moves done in 12 frames. So the camera move, for the most part, sometimes they're longer, but for the most part only lasts basically a half a second. Mm. And I get there, bam. And when you're moving something that large, you know, in stop mo, the eye just follows it, you know, and, and you just make sure that there isn't, you know, that the head of the character doesn't, you know, move up and down within those six frames. You make sure it's moving on a nice straight line. And the human eye just follows the motion and you're there and, and it, it looks really quick and smooth because it's so fast. That's a nice trick and a nice tip for how to do that. Everyone's going to be drawing on their screens at home now. <laughs> Yeah, I, we use, uh, what do we use now? We use Stop Motion Studio on the iPads here, but we've also got Dragon Frame, and it's got that sort of thing on it where you can create a line and oh. intervals. Um, I created for a scene I was doing where the background, I was doing a boat moving along. Oh. Uh, so I kept the boat stationary, and I'd recorded the background separately. But what I used for that was a, it was um it was an old arm that you'd put on the ceiling for a projector to go on. Oh, sure. Just where the projector went. So I've taken that down, turned it upside down, and I put loads of marks about five millimeters apart to do it. And yeah, it took about 10 minutes to animate. <laughs> just a, a little few seconds of, yeah. but yeah, that was a, it's, it's, I love the stories and the problem solving and the creating these, these ways around things in, in animation. It's yeah. Yeah. When I do the camera move, it's it's not just the marks on the screen. I also do marks on my set. And if you look at mm -hmm. the surface of the set, uh, it's it's to where I slide the, the tripod. And so mm -hmm. there's there's six marks on the screen and there's six marks literally on, on the surface of my set. If, you, <laughs> if I showed you a shot of the set, there's just a thousand marks all over the place. And I have to get creative because they're all still there. And when mm -hmm. I'm doing a new move, I got to make sure I'm not going to jump to some old thing. So I'll, yeah. I'll do a circle or I'll make a little snowman or I'll make an X or I'll an X with a circle. I've got just different marks so I know which which moves I'm, I'm currently working on. And that sounds like the kind of thing I do is to keep the marks there and have to keep adding to them. Uh, Rianne's asking what pro projects did you work on at Vinton Studios? When I was uh, working as the video production manager at, at this corporate house, uh, Image Audio Visuals, I had done a few pieces, a couple for clients, but a lot of my own work uh, using this uh, video system, you know, be able to, to see the animation immediately. But while I was working there, I actually had subscribed to Animation Magazine and uh, an ad popped up one day in Animation Magazine that said, we need animators in Portland at Will Vinton Studios. And to me, Will Vinton was this like magical, mystical, distant place that, that you know, uh, weird and amazing things came from. And just as a lark, I sent them a, a reel, a VHS tape, and thought, yeah, well, you know, they'll laugh at this. And that, that tape actually had my film called Fast Food, hmm. which I had done for that Classics and Clay collection back at Lost Leader Productions. And uh, 
it had that plus, you know, several of the dorky little things that I had, had done at uh, my corporate job and uh, mailed that tape off. And, and out of the blue, I get this call one day. I, I came home from work and there was a message on my machine from Wellbitten Studios saying, give us a call. And I just about lost my mind. And of course, it was after working hours when I got the message. So I had to wait till the next day. But uh, I called, uh, was, the woman's name was Lori Kingston, this delightful blonde that worked at, at Vinton Studios. And when I called and said this, Randy Boyum, uh, returning your call, there was a long pause. And the first words out of her mouth was, why aren't you already working here? And I was just blown away by that. And uh, they flew me out uh, in April of 99 uh, to do a screen test for the TV show, um, Gary and Mike which was just starting uh, going into production uh, back then in 1999. And they hired me to work for six months. It was, it was just six months as an animator on the TV show, Gary and Mike, which was a new stop motion sitcom being produced for Fox. Uh, and their, their Sunday night lineup, you know, they had the Simpsons and family dog and, you know, a bunch of, but it was their animation block. And we went into production. I, I moved, packed up, moved out there temporarily. I just rented an apartment, held on to my condo in Denver because I knew I was coming back. But uh, moved out there and worked on, on the first six episodes uh, through, it was first six months through the end of November of 99. And then I packed it up and, and moved back to Denver. But it, it was the most remarkable experience to work at a, a large studio like that. There was about a hundred people that worked on Gary and Mike. Uh, there were 20 animators and all the rest of them, there, there were whole departments. There was the puppet department. There was the sets department. There was the painting department. There was the lighting guys, the camera guys, all these different groups of people working together to put together this, this amazing, amazing thing that we did. And it was really weird because Right as soon as we finished it, while we were shooting it, uh, there was a new president that took over Fox Network, and he didn't like cartoons. And so, after we finished this, you know, ep this thing, and I heard that it was about a million dollars an episode for the Gary and Mike shows, which were you know half-hour sitcoms, and that was a crazy amount of money to spend on TV show back in '99. Um, <clears throat> but he. Uh, he decided that they didn't want to show that show after we had done all that. So it was shelved. And uh, then it was about a year later, there was a channel that's now gone, but it was called UPN. And uh, UPN picked up Gary and Mike, and they wanted another seven more episodes for a block of 13 uh, to uh, begin airing, airing this show. So about a year after I had come back to Denver, I got another call from Wellbent Studios who said, could you, you know, you want to come back and do it again, another six months. And the thing was, is after I had left Will Vinton and came back to Denver, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was just going to be a freelance corporate camera guy or something. But my old boss at Image Audio Visuals called me up like a month after I had gotten back to Denver and said, one of our main clients wants to do a short film about a boardroom meeting gone horribly wrong. And I said, 
okay. I don't have any gear or anything. I don't know how I would shoot this, but the budget was big enough for me to go buy gear. And so with no intention of doing so, this project fell out of the sky, landed in my lap, and I wound up uh, having a little animation studio in my home. And that's how it all started back here. So then uh, I, I finished that first film, which was called 10.04 AM. I've since changed it to a boardroom meeting gone horribly wrong at 10.04 AM. And it's one of the first pieces on my uh, channel. But uh, I finished that project, took me about, that one only took me about six weeks, surprisingly. I, I was kind of under a, a deadline and, and had to push myself through it quickly. But uh, <laughs> the next projects that I had right after that were a group of, of ads for convenience stores selling generic products, have a hot dog, have some iced tea, have, you know, various things. And so I was in the middle, I was only on like project number three of 10 when Will Vinton called me and said, come back to uh, Portland. And I was like, I would so love to do that again, but I, I'm on a contract and I'm already working here at home. So I had to skip part two of the Gary and Mike uh, shoot. But uh, it, it kind of, you know, kept me busy. And I, I had uh, worked for about almost two years straight right away from 2000 when I got back to Denver. And then clients dropped off and I did some of my own things. And then every once in a while, a new client would pop up and, and do it again. And so... I've been on and off busy for the last 21 years now. I suppose that's good that you've been able to get your own projects done yeah. in amongst that as well. And, yeah. and I was just going to say that I saw that you got an award. Was it an award or nominated for an award for the Extinction of Up? Yeah, actually, um, um, that's been in seven film festivals now. Hmm. But uh, And the very first one that it was in was called... Mountain Shadow Film Festival, mm. which was in Walnut Creek, California, and I actually took third place at that festival. That was very cool, and that was the, the very first one I was in, and I won third place. Ha haven't won anything since, yeah. but I've been in seven festivals, and the last one, which literally finished just this last Saturday, mm. um, was the closing ceremonies, and I was nominated for the Will Vinton Award for Best Animation because Will Vinton was born and raised in that town of McMinnville, Oregon. It's like 40 miles southwest of Portland. Mm. So when I, I submitted to that one, I literally submitted to that because they had a Will Vinton Award. I thought that was really cool. Um, and, and then sure enough, I couldn't believe I was actually nominated for it. And, uh, but there was a, a different film actually won the award, which was well-deserved. It's, it's an awesome little film called The Pig on the Hill. It's it's not stop motion either. It was a computer animated film, but delightful. It was really cool. Have you have you sent any have you sent it over to any animation festivals over this way? I know that there's Manchester Animation Festival. I think that I have. I, I, I primarily stuck with the U.S. just because I was hoping to be able to go to some of these. Okay. And first time since, since when I made '96, it, it was the California Sun, which. Is SUN, which stood for some university. I can't remember what it was. First, that was the first year they did that. <clears throat> and I actually went out there to that festival. And there was, I don't know, 30 people in the audience. You know, it was this little brand new thing at a college. Um, and I, since then, have never had another film that I've submitted to festivals. I've had a, a couple I've made that I, I could have. But now with mm -hmm. the, the internet, uh, um, it's really easy to submit to films. I mean, I, I uploaded it one time to this uh, site called Film Freeway and they've got 
I don't know, 2,000 film festivals that you can submit to with a couple of clicks. And so I've submitted, I don't know, 50 different festivals. And I've gotten a lot of rejections, but I've also gotten into seven festivals. And uh, I primarily have done the U.S. festivals because I really wanted to go and sit in a theater and yeah. experience a group of people watching a film because I haven't had that experience in, you know, 25 years. But uh, sure enough, COVID hit. And so I've been oh. in seven festivals and I've watched them all sitting in this chair right here. I, you know, haven't been able to actually see anything in a theater. But I do know that I've submitted to a couple overseas, you know, at least, at least one in England, but I'm not sure which one it was. So I don't think I've heard back yet. There's a good, you know, almost 30 of them I haven't heard from yet. So, uh, well, yeah, no, fingers crossed. I mean, the, the one I mentioned before, Manchester Animations Festival, that's not until sort of November, October time. So okay. I, I may have submitted to that and just haven't heard from them. Yeah. Oh, no. no. Um, yeah, uh, let me just see. Is there any other questions? Uh, we've got Wilfred asking uh, again what your favorite project uh, What What project did you most enjoy? Um, we covered wow. it with the bear, didn't we? But is there any others that uh, spring to mind that you. Gosh, the. the when anybody ever asked me that, I always wind up saying how to survive a bear attack. But I mean, actually working on that project, it had its own, you know, uh, that was one of the few times where I actually used cloth bodies on the characters instead of clay. Cause I thought, you know, well, maybe I can try, you know, ha not having to do all this constant cleanup on the clay, but it turns out cloth has its own issues. You know, there's all kinds of fluttering stuff that goes on. If you touch that that cloth in any way, you get weird shaking and stuff from, you know, that taking this individual frames. But um, <laughs> I'm thinking that most recently that the projects I enjoyed the most were the series of four ads that I did for a company in Australia called uh, Aussie House Swap, where you trade houses with someone else to go on vacation. You know, we'll go to your place, you come at ours. Although... I don't think technically there's a lot of people actually two people trade. You just list your house. It's like an Airbnb, but it's for yeah. vacation. So anyways, the, uh, these four people here, the, uh, it's a family actually mom, dad, kid, and grandma. Uh, and I've, I've made an awful lot of my clay enemies using those characters, the behind the scenes shots from those. But uh, those were really, really fun to do. They were, uh, and having a relaxed client helps a lot because I've had projects that were really stressful and that made the animation no fun because someone's breathing down my neck. But this guy was just awesome and totally relaxed and there's no deadline. And he was really funny. He wrote the scripts for all of those and uh, was just a delight to work with. And so um, I, I managed to just kind of peck my way through those with a real you know, casual attitude and they all came out great. He, he loved them all and they, they work really well for his purposes. So I'd have to say the Aussie house swaps were probably my most recent favorite. And the, you've got a really, I, I love the sense of humor that's in your work. Um, so uh, as you said, the um, uh, you had a client that write, wrote the script for those. Uh, a lot of them, uh, like the Hoobies, sorry, Hoobies, is it? Uh, is that, that's all your script writing and mm -hmm. Yeah, that's just just my own nonsense. Yeah. And I actually wrote a feature film script for the Hoobies, as well as a you know a few little short films. And there's 
there's only four of them that I did. Two of them, the first two I did are like 30 seconds long. And then I did a one minute piece about the, the gymnast Velvita Anya Sandovich, who's from Czechoslovakia. And that's, that's the short film on my channel called uh, The Gymnast. And uh, then I actually was, was a cameraman at Mile High Stadium shooting for the, the Broncos and the, the baseball team, the Rockies, the Colorado Rockies started there. And so um, I, I ran cameras at, at the stadium and every once in a while they would show these little animated races of various things that the crowd could cheer for pick red green or blue you know and 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 it was just a, a bit of nonsense to kill time while there was a timeout going on on the field or, or whatever and so because of that and my connection to the people at the production in the stadium <clears throat> i did a uh, kayak race for the colorado rapids soccer team and it took me a year and a half to shoot the multiple versions of this kayak race where the little boaters are going down the river and they get swallowed by a monster or pulled underwater. And then all of a sudden they're back and they're racing again. And uh, I had all this great footage. <clears throat> and then by the time I got it done a year and a half later, the Rockies had zero interest in using it. And so uh, I, I put an awful lot of work into it. So I actually submitted that to various sports teams all over the country here in, in us and uh i did manage to sell it once to the new orleans saints and they used it only a couple times during the games and then they contacted me and said the timing isn't right on this and it's just a little too long and there was really no way for me to shorten it and edit it you know so that it, it would work for their purposes and i had no other uh stadiums wanting to use the footage and I'm sitting on this footage. It took me a year and a half to shoot. And I like, I want to do something with this. So that became my fourth Hoovies piece, Kayaks to the Max. Um, and I just shot additional footage of, of uh, Otley Hagerstad introducing the kayakers at the beginning. And then shot the little uh, metal ceremony at the end of that particular film, too. And, and just used the footage that I had already shot to make short film. That, um, I think that's one of my favourite ones as well. The, yeah. uh, the well, the the gymnast. When I was watching them before the gymnast one, I just yeah, I couldn't stop laughing. Just the there she goes, and then uh, <laughs> like, what? Why, are you, why are you talking to me? I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad you got that. I, I so rarely yeah. hear feedback. I I never really know if what I'm doing is funny, or if it works, or people roll their eyes and think it's stupid. I, I don't. Know. Yeah, I think it's brilliant, and the animes, and I love the behind-the-scenes stuff as well, like the how to build the set one that you've done recently. Ah. The way that you've done it as well, animating that happening as well is, ah. is fantastic. I love it. Well, thank you, thank you. Those are fun to do too. You know, I just uh, it, it, when I'm finished with one project and about to start another, I usually set up a camera and static, and then I'll I'll grab frames of you know, the process of me tearing down an old set and putting up a new one. And I've got a lot of, a lot more footage of that kind of stuff that I've never used. It's just, sitting in a, you know, file somewhere. But uh, a couple of them I was able to, to use to make these little behind the scenes things so that people can see a little bit of my process. I like the style as well in creating the set where it's a lot of plasticine on board. Mm to create the textures it's like bringing it all together with the characters as well yeah. is there any 
tips that you have for working with plasticine, um, whether it's characters or set or props? Well, I I know that a lot of sculptors will actually, you know, okay, I, I use Van Aken uh, plasticine, mm -hmm. which is a little spongy. Sometimes when you smooth the character, it actually will rip little holes in it, little tiny holes, and you've really got to kind of work it and smooth it, you know. So I know that a lot of other uh, sculptors and animators actually mix other products into the clay to make it a little more friendly. But uh, I've done that a little bit in the past, and it usually mutes the color or, or changes the, the feel of the clay or makes it more greasy so that it shines more under the light. And I don't care for that. And so I've just, over the last, it's been 30 years, I've been working uh, – <laughs> with with the Van Aken, and, and I've just learned how to deal with it, and and uh, make sure that I just just allow <laughs> a little extra time to make sure that things are smooth. But Van Aken, you can also melt in a pan on the stove, set at the very lowest, lowest, lowest setting, because if you if you set it any higher than barely warm, it'll burn and it'll smell and smoke and 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 ruin your life and your neighbors' lives as well. It's just it's horrible. So when you uh, melt clay, you got to keep an eye on it and and make sure that you're there at all times. And then, especially if you're mel mel melting dark brown clay, it will look like a delicious bowl of melted chocolate. It looks so yummy. Do not do not touch it. It it's like French fry grease. It's crazy hot, and you will hurt yourself if you touch melted clay. But uh, to cover large surfaces like the the whole. Uh, grassy area in the, behind uh, the guys in the extinction of up was mm. if, if you saw the, the behind yeah. the scenes film, you see me pouring out a, a pan full of, of uh, melted green clay to make the grass in the background. And uh, <clears throat> once you, once you pour it and then, you know, smear it down very quickly because it cools really fast once mm. you pour it out. And so, uh, uh, you, you pour it out and you use a you know a palette knife of some kind to smear it around as quick as possible and then you've got palette knife marks in everything everywhere because it cools practically immediately and so it takes a long time you got to go through and hand smooth all that surface and then depending on what it's for you go back and texture it afterwards you know a lot of the walls in a lot of my sets uh are clay and and i've had to to uh go back with a fork just a fork and you know scrape scrape lines in it or or, or whatever um there have been some times where i built a set like behind the character in nostra doofus where mm -hmm. i poured the, the melted clay on the wall laying the wall flat of course and uh just used the palette knife to smear it around and i kind of like the texture of the palette knife and so i just set up the wall. I'm like, that looks good. Let's go with that. But uh, uh, over the years, when I first started, I really wanted to be a purist, kind of like Will Vinton was when he first started. And everything you see on the set is made of clay, everything, just make sure, you know. But since then, I've kind of, you know, backed off on on that. And and uh, like for the Aussie Housewap pieces, uh, <clears throat> the walls, the, the, the carpeted floor in the hotel, they're just cloth. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's a lot quicker and easier. And plus after 20 years or so of doing this here at home, all my walls kind of look the same and I kind of wanted something a little, little fancier, you know? And so I've, I've been able to make walls using, uh, you know, some, some nice pieces of cloth that got really cool prints on them and stuff like that. So I, I, I let go of the purest clay thing quite a while ago and just, I, I'll use whatever. 
yeah, it, the melting of the clay is quite an interesting um, way of of using it, and I'm I'm quite happy you've mentioned how to do it properly because I <laughs> I actually tried <laughs> I tried it. Um, I think it was last summer. I, I I got all of the excess clay from here, and I thought I'll just melt it all down. Whatever color it becomes, we'll just have tons of this thing. But my uh, my way of doing it was tip it all into this big metal bucket and stick it on a fire outside because I knew it smelled. <laughs> and yeah, it sort of bubbled thick and then caught fire. And yeah, <laughs> it was outside. Did you but, have to throw the pan away? Uh, well, it was a big old metal bin, but I um, I did attempt it first in a small pan on the hob, and my wife was not impressed. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> about the smell. <laughs> well, I have always had electric stoves. I've never had. I think I had a gas stove. Actually, the only time I had one was when I lived in Portland. It's a it's an apartment I rented. I didn't do any animation while I was in Portland at at my home. I did it, you know, at the studio. So I honestly don't know if a burner a gas burner with actual flames on a pan is a good idea at all i really don't know how well that might work i've always done it on an electric stove and you just put it on warm so it, the, the burner's barely on and i set a block of the the clay in the pan and i, I walk away for half an hour and just mm. you know i'll set a timer to remind me you got something on the stove but um and then I come back and stir it a little bit, and it just very slowly melts when you do it, you know, on an electric stove, on warm. You barely yeah. turn that thing on. And it takes a long time to melt, but once it does, you got this great thing, and you can pour it out and cover huge areas, you know, uh, very quickly. But um, um, that's only Van Aken, that brand name only. I, I know uh, when I worked at Lost Leader Productions back in the 90s here in town, <clears throat> they tried to melt Roma clay which is a wonderful clay that's got an incredible texture it's so smooth and creamy and really nice to work with do not melt roma clay it will immediately stink up your world and smoke and just, it's it's toxic as all get out so i i don't recommend melting any other brand besides van aiken at least i've never done it myself so i i don't know the brand i used was new plast and it was um it's quite like a Trying to think of how to describe it, but yeah, it, it was. I've got some a big blob of it here somewhere, but this is quite good stuff. But um, but yeah, it sort of I think it sort of released the oils in it, um, because uh, it's sort of thick in one area and thin in the other, and that's the bit that caught fire. So I wouldn't uh, recommend that. <laughs> yeah, I see Mary's on. Hi, Mary. Hello, uh, Chris Bryant's wife is Mary. Yeah, uh, is that someone you know from? Actually, I work with them at the the corporate house, the corporate video place. Uh, I, I'm a, I'm only a freelance guy there now, and I show up well, two or three times a year and do a project, and then I move on and do my own thing. So, have you got anything in the pipeline now for a new project for a new film for yourself? I I, I don't. I've I've had a couple of inquiries online um, for. A couple different people uh, have asked me recently to do music videos, and they've got $100. What can I get for $100? And I say, this conversation, and that's about all. <laughs> but uh, um, I, I haven't had any clients uh, reach out to me lately, and I'm so fine with that. If I get a client, that's great. 
but I don't really care. I'm not pushing it. I, I'm not actively marketing anything. If someone shows up and, and wants something, they've got the right budget and the right attitude. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. I, I'd love to do something. But as far as, as my own stuff, I finished my last film was the extinction of up, which I finished right a year ago. It was last uh, end of March or middle of March when I actually finished shooting <clears throat> the, the footage. And then it was March 13th. I woke up with what I believe was COVID. I, I woke up with a weird cold and strange feeling in my lungs. And uh, it luckily just kind of went away that same day. But uh, I, I stayed home from that day, March 13th for two months. And uh, because I was home, I was able to finish the post-production on the extinction of up um, really quickly. I mean, I thought it'd take me two or three months to get through the post, but I did it in a couple of weeks cause I was sitting at home. And, uh, right after I finished that film, my animation computer started doing a lot of weird things and not playing nice. And so I, I needed to take it into the shop and I literally did that, uh, two weeks ago. It, it sat for a year and I had no access to, to, uh, animation computer. And I've gone through over the last 20 years, there have been several times where I didn't shoot anything for a year or two, or even I think I had a three year gap once just cause I didn't feel like it didn't, you know, wasn't into it and, and didn't have any great ideas, but eventually somebody's going to pop up and need something, or I'll have some idea pop up in my head that'll make me want to do it. And, uh, I, I'll, uh, <laughs> It's funny, I took that that computer into the shop a couple of weeks ago and spent quite a bit of money having them work on it. And I brought it back home and reloaded all my software and it still doesn't work. It's still doing the same problems I had with it before I took it into the shop. So they obviously did not fix whatever is the problem. So currently I have no way to shoot animation, but I will get that done relatively soon and, and hopefully uh, for the, the two guys in, in uh, and they're sitting right there, yeah. uh, the two kids in, in the extinction of up. Um, I had another little bit of nonsense that I was going to have them text back and forth to each other mm. <clears throat> that didn't really fit into the flow of the story of that film, but I still kind of want to do it. So I'm thinking I might shoot a 30 second bit. It's, yeah. it's really short and it's just, more nonsense with, with the kids texting back and forth to each other. But that's the only thing that's really leapt to mind lately that I, I'd kind of like to, to maybe dabble with. Uh, we've got a couple of questions. And um, so Wil Wilfred was asking if you have any bones in your thumbs. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yes, I still got bones. I imagine it would be very hard to sculpt uh, plastic <laughs> and clay without bones in your thumbs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Swindon's asking um, if you have any creative ambitions. I I, I, I don't know. Um, actually, lately I've been writing. In the last year since I haven't been able to uh, animate and, and didn't really feel it. Um, I've been writing a lot lately. I, I, I recently wrote a short story for a little online contest, which I really liked. I, I think it came out well. Um, I'm dabbling in writing a book that, you know, will take me 10 to 40 years to get through. But it's a fun idea, and so I. Some days I'm really gung ho, and I'll write, you know, a couple thousand words in a day, and otherwise, uh, you know, I'll write a paragraph or two, and then I walk away from it for a week or two or whatever. But uh, I'm slowly hacking away at, at this really fun story that also has to do with the phone. But uh, I'm not going to 
reveal anything else about it. But uh, yeah, aside from that, no, I, I, I lately have been getting a little bit of the animation bug again and, and kind of wanting to get going. Hence, that's why I took my computer in to have it worked on and that didn't happen correctly. So, but uh, soon I may be able to dive back into doing a little animation. Well, and um, what we were talking about in the in the previous Q and A, what was brought up there is that um, it's amazing with the technology nowadays that you can have things on your phone and and things like that. Um, uh, there's uh, so I mean, there's plenty of like software and things that you can use on that. If that might be a way of um, getting the getting your fix of the animation bug, doing a bit of finding some software on a on a phone or a tablet or something. Ah, uh, no. <laughs> I, I got a really nice Canon camera and, you know, yeah. a, a really nice, you know, stop motion pro is the program I've used. Although I have been wanting to switch to dragon frame the, for the last you know, two year or two stop motion pro has been great for me and worked really well for everything I've done. But for some reason, uh, when was it about four or five years ago, they started from scratch. It's like they, they, eliminated their old program and started all over and, and and made a new version called Stop Motion Pro Eclipse. Okay, yeah. I got that software right when I was starting to shoot some project. I can't remember which one it was. Oh, it was the, the Aussie pieces. Okay, yeah. <clears throat> and um, it was glitchy and weird, and I had some problems with, with Eclipse. And I made it work. You know, uh, I mean, for the most part, I just need a frame grabber, you know, something I can click and I got the frame and okay, we're good. Um, but a lot of the, the internal, you know, like the rig removal tools and the paint tool and stuff were really problematic. And I wound up having to do a lot of stuff in Photoshop, which is fine. I love Photoshop and it works great, but it's a lot more time consuming than being able to just do it within the, the StopMo Pro program. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Now that I'm going through this hassle with new computer factor and all that, I may go ahead and switch to Dragon Frame for the next version of whatever I do. I'd uh, recommend it. It's been quite, uh, as I say, we've used it here, and it, it's really good. You can connect to Canon cameras, well, most cameras, really. Yeah. Um, it's got, like I say, the line thing where you can put your intervals. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not sure if, because I've tried Stop Motion Pro. 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 Yeah. I've tried that in the past, and... I, I didn't. I, I didn't try Dragon Frame before that, but I tried that. Um, I didn't quite like it that much. But the Dragon Frame is quite good at use, and I'm not sure if it's got the same thing. But in Dragon Frame, you can put the audio in and animate alongside the audio, yeah. and create an X sheet in it as well. For yeah, yeah. Um, um, Stop Motion Pro does also have that capability, and so I think I only used it a couple of times because I prefer to just you know write out log sheets. You know, mm -hmm. hand, hand write them out because I'll I'll do the recording and because an awful lot of my projects are no budget, um, I do the the voices myself for a lot yeah. of my stuff. Um, but you know, for the ones that like for uh, the Rudolph spoof that I did for Larry the Cable Guy, they sent me a, a soundtrack. You know, I, I never got to meet him. He's in Hollywood or wherever, but. Uh, the producers I was working with for that piece were local here in Denver. And so they talked with him and got a, a recorded soundtrack that I brought home. And then I uh, uh, would just hand write out the, the, you know, the lip sync dialogue necessary for the project. And <clears throat> so I wouldn't really listen to the audio within Stop Motion Pro. 
I had it all written out. I'm, I'm just animating and changing the mouths as necessary. And when I'm done with a shot, I export it out and dump it into Premiere Pro, which is the editing program I've always used. And that's where I drop the soundtrack in and watch it live at full speed with the audio to see how well it's going. And that's always worked great for me. I, I've just done it that way. Well, yeah, it's, it's one of those things you can, it's, it's good to go with what you used to, like you say, with the plasticine, although it has some issues, you're used to those issues now and you can yeah. adapt to what it does. Um, I think we'd have to wrap this up fairly soon. So um, I don't think there's any more questions at the moment. Yeah, I think I think we'll we'll finish here if that's all right. And um, but yeah, thank you very much for your time. And well, you. it's been very very great to get a, an insight into your work and to see your work. And yeah, and and yeah. Sorry, this is the point where I ramble because I don't know what to. <laughs> You're doing an I'm, excellent job of rambling. Thank you. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I need to. I need to practice my uh, non-rambling for these these Q and A's. And oh, just before we go there, Chris has said that you've not told us that you're one of the best live event camera operators in Colorado. Liar! Liar! <laughs> Liar! <laughs> Brilliant. Right. Uh, I've been practicing that for over thirty years too. So. Oh, we've got uh, David Bragger also saying thank you. We've got oh, a lot of thanks. Right then, um, yes, thank you very much, and I'll let you get on with your day. Um, yeah, I keep forgetting about the time difference. Your day's beginning, mine's going to be ending soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just 11 o'clock in the morning here in Denver, so. And in three hours, I have a dentist appointment. Oh. That'll be fun. That's an internet <laughs> <laughs> right thank you very much for chatting to us Just a little and thank you all for your questions and we'll see you next week thank you for listening to this Q&A podcast we would like to thank Randy Boyum for speaking to us and the Animation Club for their hard work we hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast goodbye <laughs>